0: This week we read, The Adventure of the Priory School. Extra, extra, read all about it. Jealous older secret son commits classic rich person crime of greed.
1: The game is afoot, all our buddies. Welcome back to The Final Podblum, the only Sherlock Holmes read-through podcast that has another damn story about bicycles for you, (laughs) somehow. (laughs) uh i for my part am that boy in the midst of the arizona day the arizona night the arizona fight for all that is right and true they call me casey sometimes and i answer to it even more than that and uh, who
0: is this here joining me besides being a classic newsman (laughs) Um, this week we have on our program today, Nicholas Cohen. He is a renowned Sherlock Holmes expert, and he's got it's a bit true. to say about this episode. Welcome, Nick. It's true. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> this is a good one. Uh, I liked this one a lot,
1: both like just as a thing to read and, uh, the and then like as a thing I
0: was excited to talk about with you. Yeah. So, other than the fact that it was like 28 pages long and felt like yeah, its it was own a novel, boy. it was good. <laughs> yeah.
1: For real, like, as the day approached, like, I I was furiously trying to finish this, the the day we were supposed to record, and, yeah. and uh, I was going to make it. I had that finish line mm-hmm. in sight, and then
0: you text me, like, bro, can we? Because, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I was the same. I was, like, halfway through it when I texted you there, and I was like, listen, I could technically finish this story today, but yeah. I would have, it would still be just reeling through my mind at that point, and now I've had exactly. time to just absorb everything, everything thing that happens in yeah. the story and it's a lot yeah we're gonna and do it, it just... right we're gonna do it tight we're gonna do it on the night yeah it's just it's so like interesting because it um it it's so it's such a complicated story but yet mm-hmm. when you get to the ending it's actually super simple like all the motives it, and everything it's... the conclusion is just like oh this is all about that really like yeah it's yeah
1: really if you were to think of, cause we've, we've said in past episodes that this didn't feel like a Sherlock Holmes story, uh, but mm-hmm. this one absolutely did. This felt like when you think of what you think a Sherlock Holmes story is, this is what you're picturing. And I, yeah, I liked yeah. it a lot. This is probably in my top five stories so far.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I should awesome. probably make yeah. that
1: number smaller cause this is, cause we put, this is our 12th one. So that's not really much of a pool. This is in my top <laughs> three stories. All right. There you go. So. So, we, okay, the, the the story starts off with, I, I swear to God, if you hadn't read this story, you would accuse me of making this guy up, but mm. this story begins with the arrival of Thornycroft Huxtable. Actual name. <laughs> and it talked about, there was this opening bit about how his calling card preceded him, and I like to think that it just, like, Shot him through the mail <laughs> slot at Baker yeah. Street and just like lodged itself in a wall or like in Prime <laughs> Minister Polkadot's top hat moments before he blundered in. <gasps> Nick, we didn't talk about Prime Minister Polkadot's. Okay, listeners. Uh, You recall our famous beloved character, Prime Minister Polka Dots, fancy cheetah at large, out there changing London's political landscape for the good of me and you? Mm-hmm. One of our Twitter followers, oh, uh, yeah. who I will not name, not because he doesn't deserve it, but because I, I don't know that he wants, you know, that level of, uh, I don't know that he wants that noise in his inbox, as it were. Mm-hmm. But like, took it upon himself, themselves, I apologize, I'm not 100% sure, mm-hmm. took it upon themselves to make a drawing of Prime Minister Polka Dots and Holmes and Watson, and I love every single thing about it. It's Holmes, Watson has his gun, Prime <laughs> Minister Polka Dots is looking fly AF, Holmes is just standing there like, karate hands! It's just, it's so
0: good! It's amazing. If we didn't already have, like, an icon cemented for our podcast, like, yeah. of an image, I would make it that one, because it's so good. Yeah.
1: For real, if it sums
0: up the mood to... of the yeah. tone of this podcast so perfectly, it's just beautiful. It is the tarot card for this
1: stupid mm. show, and I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, dear listener, you know who you are, uh, if you're comfortable with us naming you on the air, send us more Prime Minister Polka <laughs> Dots art. This is a two-way relationship. I'm Hold up your end of so the bargain.
0: I'm so glad you did that shout out, because I, that just Absolutely blew my mind. I'm like our first Listen, fan art. Oh my it, god! It made our day. You
1: cannot imagine. We have the best and sweetest listeners. Mm-hmm. And like, I was talking with Dylan because, like, we've been making podcasts. This is five years for us at the Sonic wow. Magic Inc. That's Podcast awesome. Network. We've been making shit for a long time, and this show has. Like, taken off is a relative term, but like, this has gotten a pretty significant foothold a lot faster than anything else we've ever done. <laughs> and I think, I think it has something to do with like, we've done D&D shows and gaming shows in the past, and those, those, uh, those communities tend to be either super cool or super toxic. Mm-hmm. But, like, the Sherlock Holmes fandom, is just such a welcoming, loving place. Like, hi, I'm pretty interested in stories where Sherlock and John kiss. Do you have any of those? No? Cool. Okay, well, I'm still going to listen to your podcast. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. like, it's such a friendly, warm place
0: that is so cool about sharing stuff. It truly is. Like, there's so much, like, a variety of types of people in the Sherlock Holmes fandom. And I'm not even the kind of yeah. person who really, like, goes searching for, like, fan content very often. Um, just cause I have such a myriad of interest that like, I, I don't really like get super deep into any one thing, but as like fandoms go from the glancing, like the passing experiences that I've had with it, every Sherlock Holmes fan I met is just nice. They're just a cool, like someone who's like, like for a series of stories that are a lot about murder, all the fans are super cool. (laughs)
1: Yeah, there's there's something there mm. I think that we we might not want to examine too closely, but there is
0: Well, I mean, uh, if, no, we're gonna y'all, y'all like, you... if we're going to go for like if we're going to go for like actual my honest like like yeah. real time opinion is I think the fact that Holmes comes across as such a like like either not neurotypical or possibly queer person that draws a lot of right. fans of that of those types. So I think he is... Like, when you actually read the stories, he he comes across as that a lot, so I think a lot of fans... Of the of either or both of those things are drawn to the character, but anyway, that's just my
1: right. The vel yeah. the velcro catches.
0: Yeah, that seems that
1: seems to be a lot of our followers, and I feel kind of bad because that's not like what we're focused on. We ain't mad at it, like by all means, but I, it, you know, it's 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 really sweet of these folks to stick around once they take a look at us and see it's not exclusively about Holmes and Watson smooching, but they still think we <laughs> have something to contribute, and I I appreciate right. that, that that they find that they find worth in us, uh,
0: y'all followers, y'all
1: real cool. We appreciate all mm. of you so much
0: yeah and i mean i'm absolutely still down to um to talk more about more like lgbt stuff in the future like maybe do like a special or extra content or anything like that maybe like a mini episode or something i if there's ever a story because like there are
1: moments like in um what was it speckled band there was a bit where like Holmes, you know, leans in and whispers in and it brushes Watson's ear. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, that's like good goof fodder, but it's not necessarily meaningful. But like, if we right. ever read a story where, cause you, you have contexts and perspectives that I don't, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I'm a, I'm a boring white says head dude, I'm <laughs> your basic dude. Yeah. Um, I'm that, which makes me sound like I think I'm the default. And that's, that's not true. I want to catch that. I am <laughs> just, just what I am. It's but my okay. point no, is that, yeah, like, that's, you, yeah. you, you, you <laughs> get what I'm no, saying. I get what you, you're saying. You have nets. You have nets with different holes in them, and you catch different things than I do. Sometimes right. you have and you if, have
0: a certain experience that yeah people in the, it just happens to be the experience that most people put as the default for some reason, yeah. but it's not you right, know? And, and you but, acknowledge that. Well, my my point.
1: My point is, like, if ever we read a story and you're like, "Uh, yo, dude, did you know this is a huge indicator that these two are literally romantically in love with each other? Like, if you ever catch something like that or you see something that you just want to talk about, you bring it up, son. I guarantee I want to hear about it.
0: Okay, for sure. Yeah, no, I definitely will. I will not hold back. Yeah, because there's definitely certain stories that have, like, incredibly intense... Holmes and Watson moments. And when we get to them, I will be talking about that. Don't you worry about that. Man. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know another, another one of our super cool listeners, um, who, uh, I, I'm just, I'm super wary of putting people on blast. Like if I <laughs> was given a shout out on a show I love, like good game, great game. hmm if if I did that, I would love it, but I also don't want to presume that anyone else wants that kind of attention. So, uh I think that's I, safe. Yeah, uh, I'm just yeah, I'm not comfortable putting people on on the speaker like that, but one of our followers, uh fairly early on, sent us like a fairly comprehensive list of like the gayest stories <laughs> in the canon by by which I mean the ones that present the most evidence for that viewpoint. That rules. And uh yeah, there really, and it'll it'll be it'll be really helpful when not if, but when yeah. we address that perspective because it's it's important. Absolutely. But in the meanwhile yes. Thornycroft Huxtable. Yeah Thorny- What's What's this cat on about, Nicholas?
0: I have talked enough for both of us for our entire lives. Doctor Thornycroft Huxtable. Yeah, so he okay, so he shows up and makes... yeah, you were saying how his calling card precedes him. I also thought about that, and I the way I pictured it was that he I he walks in With, like, his arm outstretched, and the card is in front of him, so the card literally arrives into the room first, and then he follows it. But I realized there's been, like, a couple seconds, and his arm can't possibly be that long. So it had to have been, like, either the, like, page boy or whoever, or maybe Mrs. Hudson brings it in on a plate, or how they did it. And and then he just comes rushing in immediately, like, while Holmes is still holding the card reading it. Because that that happens a lot in, like, shows and movies and stuff like that when the client calls. It's just, like, their card is here, they... You get a little like pre-announcement of who you're about to see, and then you see them immediately. Um, but yeah, so this guy shows up at Baker Street. His car shows up at Baker Street. He shows up as Baker Street, and he immediately passes out on their rug. <laughs> and they kind of yep. like do a little bit like like after they, I think before he even they even like start trying to revive him, they do a little like. S- or, or he's like deducing things about him as they're trying to like wake him up and Watson's like bringing yeah. him some brandy because that was like I love how that was just, when I first read that like that was kind of the just the go to like the first the, aid the fire. Like in your first yeah. aid kit you had like bandages like alcohol literal like brandy alcohol for people to drink. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's like I thought that was kind of cool. Uh and you know, what? honestly, that probably still pretty sound. I don't know. Probably, in my opinion, like
1: yeah. My my alcohol knowledge is extremely limited, but like yeah. I I feel like if you you were to just just pour it up my nose, it'll be that'll wake me up. It's fine. <laughs>
0: I mean, it'll do. Def-
1: so, yeah. yeah, yeah, that'll do it. He wakes up and he requests a cookie and a glass of milk <laughs> to set him aright. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Which I even like that. Honestly, bud, yep. same. Yeah, you, you
1: know. <laughs> I love you. Nick. <laughs>
0: y'all got any bread you got any sugar do you have a twix sliding around like you know me so well yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah no he's uh, yeah so he's munching on his milk and cookie and uh and he tells this uh he 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 tells a story he is the um he's the headmaster of a uh a pri- prior prior school is Priory, I think, is the location, but I think, like, primary school would be Correct. the word for it. Cause it's, like, an elementary yes. school for young boys. boarding school. A boarding, um, school, yeah, boarding school, yeah. So, um, yeah. so he's the headmaster and one of just the most, and all the, like, high, highest ranking nobles' sons yeah. go to his school. And one of them has gone missing. Um, I think by the time this guy arrives at of Street, he's been missing for, like, a week. Like, I a think. week, yeah. Yeah, and Holmes immediately chastises him for not coming sooner, and he's like, yeah, I know, but, you know, rich people, they have their, they don't like their affairs being, you know, out in public, and so all of the, kind of like, uh, investigation has sort of already taken place with the police before any of this actually, the story actually happens. So, a lot of the, there's a good amount of just catching up that Holmes and Watson have to do.
1: There is, but it's not the frustrating kind of catching up, where it's just, like, because there's more to do afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, some stuff has happened before this, but it's not, like, in The Noble Bachelor or um in The Barrel Coronet, where it's, like, we kind of get there and everything's already done, and Sherlock yeah. and Watson are just kind of there for the wrap-up. Like, the, the story that's already happened was just the warm-up, and some cool yeah. stuff happens next. So... Right. Yeah, they do do some stuff about him that he has a round-trip train ticket in his pocket, and it isn't even noon, which means that this boy has been putting in some miles today. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sherlock... Sherlock is like he he constantly does this. When a when a new client shows up, he does this thing that like the Zen masters and rabbis do, which is when you come for Sherlock's help, he's gonna turn you away like two or three times because you gotta prove you want it. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. not just gonna <laughs> Sherlock is a lady and he must be courted, okay? Honestly. Can't just show up yeah. and say, You're going down the malt shop with me. Mm-hmm. And he says, Only a very important issue could call me from London at present.
0: Translation, tell me why this is interesting, because I am bored. Like, it's gotta be worth it. Like, I'm not just gonna be taking any, like, boring, you know... School yeah. mask, master- school teachers lost handkerchiefs or anything like that. He's like, you gotta, you gotta really make him like want it, basically. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah he doesn't. Nicholas, yeah. I don't
1: know, I don't know if you noticed this. There are some weird and consistent descriptions in this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bit here. Holmes, cause they mentioned that this, this child, uh, whose name is Saltier. Mm-hmm. Saltier? I, yeah, I Saltier. Thought, saltier? Saltire, maybe? I'm not sure. Saltire? Yeah. I like Saltire. That's pretty good. Um, He mentions that he is the son of uh, the Duke of Holderness, the, uh, quote, like, one of the richest, the greatest and the perhaps wealthiest subject of the crown. So Holmes, quote, uh, shot out his long, thin arm... (laughs) And picked out volume H in his encyclopedia of reference. Mm-hmm. Gross, <laughs> and that's like that happens a couple of times. There's some weird like Slenderman imagery going yeah. on here yeah. that I I really enjoyed in an off putting way. Yeah, uh, but but as is the rich person way, mm-hmm. uh, the Duke of Holderness has offered a reward. Right. And here we come again to that beloved segment of the show, Casey's Currency Conversion Corner, mm-hmm. where we learn that the offer of 5,000 pounds in 18, um, mm-hmm. it actually might have been the 1900s. Which already sounds like a point. ton
0: of money. Like, yeah, no, yeah. that's a lot of money. Yeah. Give me
1: 5,000 anything. Yeah. I'm a happy camper. But like 5,000 pounds would be equivalent to 600,000 pounds or $725,000 today. Boy. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this for rich people. They think they can solve every problem by throwing money at it, but they do not know what is enough, and so they, uh, they default to overkill, and yep. God bless them. Yep.
0: <laughs> Honestly, like all of these, any story that involves just rich people, it's just, like, massively overshooting how much, <laughs> like, you know, like, the average person- What could person one banana like, cost, Michael? $12? $10? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so it's good. great. Um but yeah. But yes. Uh,
1: so yeah. <laughs> Uh, Penny Whistle Thistleburden continues to tell Holmes and Watson about, like, uh, Saltire's time there at the What's It. Uh, home was not a happy place for, for young Saltire. Mm. Uh, his parents' relationship was tumultuous and ended with his mother, whom he favored, moving to the south of France. So his father, again, in the rich person way, said, Oh, you're sad. Go be sad at school. Yeah, after boarding school. school with just, you. yeah. Yup. Yeah. So what happens, what what happened next, Nicholas?
0: Yeah, so basically the long and short of it is he, the boy has disappeared, and There would be a
1: good nickname for Holmes and Watson.
0: The long and short like of if it. if they
1: were like a tall guy, short guy duo.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, they always do manage to make Holmes at least a bit taller than Watson, but honestly, in, yeah. in media and stuff like that, but honestly, it's, the, one thing that always, like, I kind of think is funny, and that I like to mention is that- you know obviously in tv and movies and stuff like that holmes is always kind of like he has certain things where like he's taller than watson he's usually pretty thin and yeah. like usually has a pretty big range. nose yeah but like every actor who's played holmes has been like on some level pretty attractive and holmes is ugly yeah. like he's in the stories. it's true anytime if you look at like a full description of holmes like he's not hot he's he's kind of ugly like he's got like kind of sunken in like dark eye, like shadows around his eyes cuz he never sleeps and like he's right. super skinny and almost also to the point the where, like and
1: also the constant cocaine use
0: yeah and the yeah exactly and just like i imagine i have to imagine his teeth are horrendous because of how much he smokes Oof. like you Yikes. know it just it, exactly yeah, it's like I, hadn't even it's, thought about that. I just always think it's Really funny how, and like, and then you got guys out here like Jeremy Brett, who are beautiful, playing him. And I'm just like, okay, I'll make an exception in this one case. But, (laughs) technically, according to canon... (laughs) You win this time. (laughs) You win this time. well, and like...
1: Watson is usually portrayed as sort of this good lord you know just like older walrus man but like he was in the military and you you got you got a little bit of that a little bit of that in Jude Law's portrayal where he was more of like a badass but like people yeah. who have been in the military tend to stay in shape like oh yeah i don't know it's there's, there's a real, there's a real, like, sometimes Watson is kind of the heavy a little bit, like in, Yeah, um, well,
0: I think what popularized that was Nigel Bruce and Basil Rathbone. Uh, yeah. they, they came, those came out in, like, I think it was, like, uh. It, it was during or, like, post-World War Two, so they were trying to really, like, have just kind of light, goofy media out there, and right. they really made Watson—they really almost made the stories into, like, comedies, where Holmes yeah. was very serious, but, like, still pretty nice, and Watson was just this bumbling idiot, kind of. And not right. Bruce, who was a great guy and, like, an awesome person and everything, but nonetheless popularized that kind of image of Watson as just this really stupid kind of, like, slight, like, overweight, just old— man kind of person whereas yeah. in the stories he's really not that much older than holmes maybe no, like he's holmes is contemporary four or five years yeah. or something and he's still in pretty good shape you know despite he's probably in less good shape than holmes because he's a little more stationary just in general but and he doesn't right. have the nervous, nervous energy the war that yeah that yeah holmes has um but
1: Well, even, yeah, even in The Great Mouse Detective, Dawson is this, you know, soft, fat, old, old duffer kind of guy. Ha, weird, I never thought about that. And then, when you, when you get people like, like Jude Law and like Martin Freeman who are, you know, not necessarily, you know, like, cut or (laughs) necessarily what you think of as being like super buff people, you, you think of that as a, as a diversion from portrayal when in fact it's a steer towards, uh, towards a more faithful project that's interesting there's Mm -hmm. sort of a recursive adaptational attractiveness going on right wild yeah well what what happens what happens next what's uh what's going on at this uh this school here nickelbist
0: yeah so the kid has uh disappeared and there's a couple of clues that uh or there's a couple of details that he's that dr huxtable is able to give Holmes, which are there's like a long there's ivy climbing up the um Wall leading to his second story bedroom. So he assumes that the kid, yeah. that's how he got down, uh, sure. from the ivy. Cause because he this wasn't, is a video game. Cause this is sure. a video game. And, um, cause this is Crash Bandicoot apparently. But, um, he, um, and he, and no one saw him leave the room from the inside or go out. And also, uh, and there was like, I think a dent or some kind of like, uh, uh, boot print or some kind of mark on the bottom indicating that that's where right. he came out. And then also um the german master uh the german teacher at the school is also missing suspiciously. And yes. so they kind of just and one of his bicycle and he's a bicyclist and then one of the bikes or two of the bikes were missing. No, uh, one no, bike. Just one. one bike was missing and and this was important. Yes, that's right. So, that's right. One bike was missing yeah. and um so immediately they assume okay so the german master obviously abducted the boy and took him away. And that's kind of all they've got so far. And there's, and I think that's, let me see, are there many other details? Oh, there's also the fact that they know from the Duke's secretary that, uh, that I think the secretary is who the teacher had ended up talking to more than the Duke himself, obviously because the Duke is too important. Right, exactly. Um, that he knew that the- So the secretary had spoken to the teacher. Yeah, so, um, and he knows that the boy, uh, misses his mom after the issue with, uh, after the, Marital troubles with his parents. Right. um And so we know that his about mother the mother who
1: lives in the south of France. Who lives in the south of France.
0: So, and I think this kid's like, probably like six or, se- or seven. He's pretty young. Yeah, he's, he's a wee He's really yeah. young and just impressionable. So they, they're like, there could be some way that he was, he obviously left voluntarily. So clearly someone on the outside. Told him something, you know, that right. got him to. It's just, just a question of
1: what drew him out. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. Because he was pretty happy at the school, as far as we know. Like he wasn't miserable yeah. there. Um. So anyway, uh, he was actually happier. He was happier
1: there than he had been at home, which because makes his sense. father, yeah. Uh, yeah, as the secretary confirms, he and his father were not close. Right. So mm-hmm. it, it would have to be. It, there was there were no signs of a struggle uh, as Holmes's investigation later confirms um so it it simply becomes a question of did the boy go i mean he went willingly in that he didn't have to be like physically abducted yeah but like was he threatened to come did he want to go what's going on so right. that is the question at hand the story has been teed up yes
0: and um uh, and there's also one more thing where there another detail was there was a letter um that he received Correct. From the Duke on the day of his disappearance. Like, the day before yes. the night he disappeared. So there's that. Um, but we yeah. don't know what was in the letter because the Duke, I don't think, remember or he's like, oh, I he send doesn't. out a lot of letters every day, and the headmaster didn't read the letter before the boy it, right. so they they know he got one but they don't know what it said or anything like that.
1: Yeah, the secretary the secretary confirms that he himself mailed it that it's you know the letter the letter's a non-factor. There was nothing in there that would have caused this. It's not something we need to worry about. Mm-hmm. Which specifically being told that something is something we don't need to worry about is something to worry about. Nicholas Right, exactly. It's like, "Hmm, okay, noted," you know. But right. yeah, so yeah, the absolutely. the limp-wristed official investigation that's gone on there uh, <laughs> has yielded precisely bupkus so far, mm-hmm. and so this walrus man has uh, come out to seek Holmes's advice on how to fix this enormous balls up. So, Holmes kind of, he, he activates. He's gone from absorb mode to produce mode. And he starts asking Mm -hmm. questions. Did the boy have a bike? No, the bike did, the boy didn't have a bike. No other bikes were missing. Therefore, current theory, secret bicycle.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course, obviously. You know,
1: that's kind of, that's what we got to work with. And, (laughs) uh, yes. So, there was no mail from France. And, Saltine took the Duke's letters with him. And, uh, Holmes says, okay, well, obviously, we gotta go to, uh, investigate this now. He orders a four wheeler to take them to the train, which, again, I imagine is just a fleet of ATVs, uh, <laughs> steampunked and driven yeah. by baboons, um, <laughs> to take them. And, and he wants everyone to think, if possible, that the investigation is still centered in Liverpool, um, so that. Okay, it was, it was centered in Liverpool, we forgot to mention, Mm -hmm. because a boy and man were observed to be biking away from the rough area this took place in, and they said, well this one and that one equals two, clearly, so they arrested them, nah! Just, just complete coincidence. Just two dudes biking, just yep. like a father and son. Yeah, yeah. And this was like a hell of a long way away. This was in Liverpool when mm-hmm. travel was a big deal. So, like, the bulk of the investigative force is now centered away from the school itself. Right. Which I'm, I'm no officer of the law, but that does not seem like a great idea to me.
0: It really does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it it does make sense that Holmes would want the investigation to be like good yeah let's continue doing that there because in instances yeah. of abduction or anything where like it's actively in progress you'll want to have as much misleading information out there as possible so that the people actually doing the crimes will think right. that that's where the that they should be working exactly about. yeah and effective misdirection right yeah, yeah. so
1: Holmes and Watson go on a field trip, they meet the Duke and his secretary Wilder, uh, who opens the conversation. He had actually tried to prevent Thistledown Maple Trumpet from going to Baker Street and summoning Holmes and Watson, mm-hmm. which, interestingly enough, which step he took without consulting the Duke. This is in no way suspicious.
0: Right. Said an idiot. Yeah. 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 If you, if you read, the, as soon as you get to the end of this story, everything about this story makes perfect, like, you, Reading yeah. the story backwards is just, like, amazing, because it's all just right there, really, once you get to the end of it. But yeah, like, acting against uh whoever you're working under's orders or doing something without them knowing is just unheard of, yeah. honestly. Socially, yeah. it would just not happen. So that should have well, been, and yeah, here's...
1: a huge tip-off. And another... Another thing that I happen to know off the top of my dome uh, that is a cultural thing that, again, we don't really have uh, an analog for, like, a secretary, mm-hmm. the word that comes from is he, it was more than a dude who, like, sent out your mail and got your coffee. Like, he was someone in whom you confided your secrets. Mm. That's where it comes from. Oh, wow. From. I didn't he know that. He was, like, your... Yeah, he was like your boon companion and your, and your bro and stuff. So the fact that this guy in that position, in this context, Mm -hmm. is acting, you know, behind the Duke's back and stuff, this is just, it's a real bad sign. You know what else is a bad sign? This dude tries to, here's your hat, what's your hurry, uh, Sherlock and Watson immediately yeah just saying yeah you know well you know there's no reason for you to be here hope you enjoy the train ride back and holmes says oh no i'm good uh really the only question is whether i quote whether he takes the shelter of your roof or the village inn is of course yours to decide which is (laughs) so good okay so here's the thing here's the thing holmes is such like He's such a sword through the Gordian knot of so much Victorian society bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like he just doesn't doesn't play with it. He doesn't abide it. Yeah. And that's what makes him so good at his job. But this is an absolutely brilliant moment of social judo because what he's doing is like the burden of hospitality is. Ancient and sacred mm-hmm. and worldwide. This is an unbreakable law, especially for someone whose whole thing is like I'm in a position of great social prominence. Yeah, like so he's saying, "Oh, so am I staying with you, or are you being a poor host and making me stay here in the inn?" And so that
0: leverages right. it, like it's the brilliant. burden of hospitality. It's like it's it just so slapped so down that Uno like reverse card, basically. Yeah, <laughs> socially, it's really it's
1: exactly what it was, mm-hmm. and so they're now bound to like provide hospitality it's an ancient and sacred law and the duke says well all right you're here we might as well get some use out of you come stay with us at holderness hall and and holmes just says nope
0: <laughs> He's like that ah, i'll stay here <laughs>
1: it's where there was He's Like, thanks for the thanks offer though. but i'd actually rather stay at the
0: end <laughs> it was so <laughs> Thank good you for the offer to let me stay at your castle but actually yeah. I think the inn would suit me better thanks
1: yes oh it's good. God, it was so good and that was one of my favorite really parts. Good. I just wanted to talk about that. It made me real happy. I'll, I, I'm gonna hand the reins over to you now, Nicholas, if you'll just go ahead and take the steering gauntlet, if you'll slip your hand it's into great. there, put the buckles on, plug in the power source, put on the diving helmet, and you're good to
0: go. All right. Um, so yeah, next, uh, so next they go out. I think they, um, they go back to the inn that night, because by that point it's already really late. And Correct. they, what are- is the inn called, Nicholas? Oh, it's called the... <laughs> it's, it's called the Red Bull. <laughs> yes, it is! They are downing cans of Red Bull left and right at this end. Yep. Yeah. Thinnest
1: yeah. can around. Really good. It's so good. good. It's just an an infill of Victorian bros.
0: I love when shit like that happens, when there's just, like, coincidentally, uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um...
1: And I like to think, personally, I like to think that the founders of Red Bull, John and Jameson Red Bull, uh, they read this story when they were youths, and it made such an impact on them. And they said, (laughs) remember that in in the Sherlock Holmes story? It really gave them wings. It gave their investigation (laughs) wings. You stop right there, Jameson Red Bull. You almost passed
0: something amazing (laughs) at this. God, I'm gonna cut this. Go on. What happened next? Yes, they're staying at the Red Bull, and um, staying at the Red (laughs) Bull. And this is a good story. And they, uh, and what Holmes does is he makes a map of the area, uh, yes, including the school. Um, did your did whatever edition you were reading include a picture of the map? Because mine did. No, sir. No, no, no. I got, like, the 99-cent Kindle omnibus. Oh, okay. Well, when—remind me when you're about to, uh, like, post the episode or, like, right, yeah. right before you're about to so we can put a picture of it yeah, up we'll just do. in case. Because, yeah, mine had it, and Absolutely. it's pretty nice. Um, So, anyway, so, yeah, they, he draws a map of the area, and they kind of just, like, go through by process of elimination which direction they couldn't have gone in. Uh, to yeah, kind of just eliminate the. It's actually the
1: pop- really fun,
0: right? Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, it's like
1: there's cartography for fun and justice. Exactly.
0: Yeah, so there's like there's one road where like they they know they couldn't have gone up that road because uh the Reasons. the landlady of the inn was sick that night and everyone was on the lookout for the doctor on that road. Yeah. So if someone had passed by, they would have seen it. And then there was like you know, so they're they're going through the map like this, trying to figure out. And Watson keeps bringing up like, okay, but the bicycle, but the bicycle though, but the bicycle, but <laughs> just homes. But the bicycle, homes the the bike. And I was like, I know I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it, <laughs> you know, and, you get to the bike. Uh, and then in the middle of their looking at this map, uh, Dr. Hudsonville comes back in, uh, he yep. shows up at the inn and is like, we found something and it's, uh, it's the boy's cap. They found his hat out yes. on the moor somewhere and it was picked up by a band of, uh, people, Racist it, stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. stereotypes. Um, In a caravan, and they just kind of arrest all of them, and they're like, obviously these people have something to... Obviously they know exactly yeah, what just, happened. Just nicked for being ethnic in we're possession not... of a missing rich person's
1: lid. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it was real bad. And uh, just But like, I just love... I actually really love that idea that, like, they're going over their map and they're planning, and Tabernacle Mimsy Thorpe opens the door, <laughs> and he comes in, and he's like, I found a clue. Does it help? Mm-hmm. And just, I don't know, it was like, really-
0: Here, look, does this help? Like, we've, will this help you solve it? Like, here you go.
1: And yeah. Yeah, like, cause like, the characters in this story are not great. The Duke. <laughs> Really seems more interested in the in like protecting his reputation than he does in whether or not his son is okay. His mm-hmm. secretary Wilder, this Wei motherfucker, yeah. just really seems like he's got his own deal going on and doesn't care about the kid either. And and this guy, this headmaster, is the only one who seems to have a genuine like. No, this kid is one of my pupils. Right? Like I know. he's my
0: charge. It's, it's really like, nice. It, it, I like him a lot. It is.
1: <laughs> he takes it very seriously, and I. That, I, for, for that, I I award him I award him Prime Minister Polka Dots top hat for for the episode. Mm. He's going to be the top hat boy.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I like I like that idea of just picking a character that's just like you. I like you. Doyle did a good job yeah. with you th- with this one. The Huxtable yes. award for this episode goes. <laughs> to- the Huxtable <laughs> award. That's it that's, <laughs> it. that's it. That's it right there. There we go. All right. Nailed it. Yes. Okay. Good. I love Thanks. it. Okay. It's it's
1: the next morning, and here's another quote. The day was just breaking when I woke to find the long, thin form of Holmes by my bedside.
0: Yeah, you know. Hanging out. Yeah. Um,
1: just, I don't know. Holmes has a real, like, Scarecrow Slenderman thing going. Right.
0: <laughs> this- and there's also, like, they, I like, on a lot of, uh in many of the Granada episodes, it's kind of just like a running joke that whenever Holmes wakes up Watson... In the morning, they have that scene of Holmes just kind of, like, ah. hovering over him, just, like... Just looming. about to, Just looming over him for a second, and then he, like, taps him really gently on, like a cat, just, like, pawing at him, sort of, like, okay, wait up. Yep. Time to solve mystery now. <laughs> Here we go. Bye. What were, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> Waiting for you to wake up?
0: What were you doing before that?
1: I waited for you to wake up. <laughs> yeah.
0: just, like, just, like, Holmes, for as weird as he would actually look as a real person and just add another thing on there he's very cat-like in like i imagine him in his mannerisms yeah and like jeremy brett definitely plays him that way too where he's just kind of like he just kind of he's like looking like he's always looking at everybody and he's just very quick stealthy like smooth movements but also just kind of like i don't know like yeah, just as a person, he's very, like, if I had to assign him an animal, he would be a cat and Watson would definitely be a dog. Yep. Golden Retriever, specifically. Yeah, no, that <laughs> I think that's probably why he and Prime Minister Polka Dots get on so well. They've got a lot in common. They're, they very much yeah. match that couple dynamic very well, of, like, one of them is very do. much like a dog and the other one's very much like a cat, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So, him.
1: he wakes up and uh, Holmes has been at work. Mm. He's been plugging away on this, and he says... There is cocoa in the next room, (laughs) which made me so happy. I didn't have time to look it up uh, at work. I meant to do, Mm -hmm. but had to do my job instead, which feels like a real impediment to my podcasting (laughs) acumen. But I wondered if that maybe had something to do with, like, chocolate
0: being a luxury at the time. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it could be that the inn they were at was, like, a pretty decent inn, and I don't know. Maybe it was, like, a a special of that, like that the inn provided, where it was like, Like hey, the famous you...
1: Red Bull cocoa?
0: Yeah, right? like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's so caffeinated. It's so caffeinated. It's cocoa with taurine. Yeah. It's real bad for you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, that's definitely... Try the cocoa. It's bad for you. <laughs> that's... <laughs> that's definitely a very uh European thing to have, like, hot chocolate in the morning, like, in yeah. place of coffee, or, like, as kind of that's like true. a... Co- just kind of like a warm-up beverage. Where, like, like in Spain. yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of um
1: well and and you know in in a lot of in a lot of fantasy literature there uh chocolate holds kind of like a coffee analog standpoint mm-hmm. like uh, and you know they'll they'll usually call it cocoa or chocolate yeah. or something like that and for a while like you know in in the beginning in Central America where it friggin comes from mm-hmm. it was a, it was like a grown-up beverage like it was alcoholic and I think <laughs> it was I think it may be played into religion I don't know I don't want to mm-hmm. sound ignorant well but it there was definitely
0: like, is a bit of caffeine and cocoa like right yeah so, yeah. So it kind so of it, it being earlier, yeah. A
1: grown-up drink. The idea of it being a grown-up drink, uh, I, I, it, it's not something that makes a lot of sense to us. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was a grown-up option for a long time. It's yeah. just like, it wasn't just like marshmallows, right? And yeah. the Swiss it's miss. It's weird how
0: c- hot chocolate has kind of gone from this, from from that, and made the evolution. At least in America, to, it's kind of like a kid beverage now. It's like kids it drink is. hot chocolate, you know. It's true. And it's, yeah. And also Casey's. (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't always like that, though. But, yeah.
1: Nick, do you like, do you like a, do you like, like a thick, creamy hot chocolate, or do you like the thin, thinner, watery kind?
0: Oh, absolutely creamy. Like, I I don't really drink hot chocolate that much, just because, like, it's, I, I, I'm definitely like a more coffee flavor, less sugar flavor. But, like, every now and then, like, I'll go for some hot chocolate, and if I am gonna have it, definitely needs to be made with milk. Needs to be as thick as possible, and possibly have an espresso shot in there, too, but that's just me. (laughs) Does something about the cocoaing
1: process offset your lactose intolerance to the point where you can have a thing that's essentially half a glass of milk? I mean, I...
0: Would suffer, but I, could, I could, I could <laughs> drink it. Uh, I have made hot chocolate with coconut milk before, and coconut milk is usually pretty thick, so it actually makes yeah. it better, in my opinion. Like I actually like coconut Gross. milk better than <laughs> regular milk, but adapt, <laughs> improve, huh. overcome. But yeah, yeah so. no,
1: fair. That's that's reasonable. Yeah. All right. Well, so they they head out and they um they discover some bike tracks, but it is not the bike track. Mm-hmm. And Holmes <laughs> watches like dog. How can you possibly know that is or is not the bike track? And Holmes says, I am familiar with 42 different impressions left by tires. Because of course he is. Because <laughs> of a course. A thing is invented last fucking year, and already he has devoured every piece
0: of information there is possible to know about. Right, he's like, sees a bike, well, this is definitely going to be used to commit crimes, so I better study up. <laughs> <Honestly>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's exactly what it is! Is to, every once in a while, someone, someone will tell me of like, I, I'll, I'll bring up some cool idea and they're like, but wait a minute, couldn't that be used to do crimes? And I feel kinda dumb, but also, I
0: get a little more
1: nervous about that person. <laughs>
0: there's, well, there, this kinda like, that kinda reminds me of, there's this one, one of my like favorite ever exchanges in Poirot, actually, uh, in the TV series, where Poirot's like, uh, his his friend Hastings, who's kind of like the Watson, where he like always comes along and tells him he he's kind of like yeah. the Watson character in the Poirot stories, but uh, Poirot's like in the middle of investigating something and he's talking to Hastings and he mentions that someone is using poison and Hastings just gets so surprised. right. He's like, what poison? Like how, like why would anyone do this? And Poirot's is just like, ah, Hastings, you're so innocent. And Hastings like tries to defend himself. He's like, no, no, wait. And then Poirot is like, no, no, it's nice. <laughs> and it's just like, it's really cute. <laughs> and it's just like, I feel like that kind of person reading where it's like, I definitely think that like, if you're just, I don't know, like, there's, there's two kinds of people, really. There's the people who are always, like, expecting the absolute worst from everyone. And then there's the Hastings yeah. and the Watsons, where it's just like, you're just so wholesome. Like, you couldn't possibly imagine anyone being so bad yeah. as that they would do something like this. And it's just like, Oh, you're, that's, you're cute. You know, kind of, <laughs> it's kind of Yeah.
1: Funny. I, that's, that's true. <laughs> and I, I think those people tend to gravitate towards one another because you got to have a balance in there because both of those people individually will get themselves killed just in different Ow. ways. Ways, absolutely, right? absolutely, <laughs>
0: absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but there I was get, yeah. <laughs> okay,
1: what one time? Uh, one time many years ago, probably close to a decade now. Uh, it mm-hmm. was the middle of the night, and we woke up, and uh, we had company staying with us. We woke up, mm-hmm. and there was a strange person sitting on the curb in front of our home, and. Mm we said, okay, we should probably investigate this. So, um, I th- I think Donna called the cops before we did anything mm-hmm. and and while we were waiting for the cops to show up, we very, you know, all all of us together as a group, um, us and our guests, we went out and just said, hey, are you okay? And, uh, it, it, w- it was a sad story, not the point, but the point is, it was just, you know, she was sitting there and in need of some help so we just hung out until the cops got there and I did my best to, you know, calm her down because I'm, I'm a natural soother. Mm-hmm. I'm a mediator. I just took a Briggs-Myers test that confirms that. <laughs> but, um, and then we got her into the cop. She was fine. It took off. It was, it was a fine night. But I turn around and one of, one of our guests who had been, one of Donna's relatives, who had been like hugging herself in a hoodie on one of those cold Antelope Valley nights, uncrosses her arms to reveal that she had not been holding. <laughs> but had slipped a claw hammer up the sleeve of her hoodie. Yeah? And was just sitting there with her arms folded in case she needed to rapidly extend
0: the hand, have the hammer
1: shoot out, like, fucking Mjolnir, and just, <laughs> like, hang a picture on a motherfucker's head.
0: It was the wildest thing I had ever seen. You know, sometimes it's best to be prepared. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I guess, and, like... I I I can't argue with it. That mm-hmm. was a wise
1: call, but like it was one of those moments where it's like, oh, I'm gonna get murdered one day, aren't I? And I'm not <laughs> even gonna see it coming. Right. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, it's just... like uh, it's such a balance between like I really like if I have a knife on me, am I gonna attract more violence just by having one? Like it, like yeah. carry a knife in case you need to escalate a situation, kind of thing. Or if is or is it like, yeah. am I just being smart, kind of thing? And it's just. Yeah, yeah, I don't it's, know. It's
1: a valid question. Well, I think it also probably has something to do with as we as we discussed uh, some episodes ago. Now that like women, uh, for very good reason, like not necessarily are trained to, but as a survival mechanism, have to adapt to see possible violence in the world before it is at their feet. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think I think that's that's probably a factor. Like as a dude, I don't generally have to worry about encountering violence or real confrontation in in my day, and so I'm not primed to look for it. Like yeah. I'm not. That's not a pattern I scan for. Right. Um. And uh, that's what they call privilege. Yep. It's not great, <laughs> but I also don't want to be more afraid in my day to day life. Yeah. So I think I'm gonna hang on to that one yeah. if I can. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> But anyway, okay, so what happens next, uh,
0: Nick? Where were we? Oh, okay, so yeah, they go out onto the moors, and uh they're looking at the tire tracks, and Holmes kind of gives that whole, uh he he gives you a little, the thing that I, find, like, obviously the 42 different tire tracks, like, sure, okay, you're sure, like, of course, like, you know, and 100 different of types course. of tobacco ash, we know, but it's kind of interesting your whole because- deal. Um, I kind of got sidetracked thinking about this where he mentions that like the the way you can tell which direction the bike is going is because the back tire is going to have a deeper impression into the mud because it's heavier because that's the end that you're kind of sitting on. So, I think that would right. still be pretty practical honestly. Like you could still adapt that. And then I went along wondering also like how much of the whole impressions boot prints bike tire prints are still used and like applicable relevant in police investigations i imagine probably not very much unless it's like something like this where it's out in the country kind of deal right and i mean obviously you're not gonna have like a perfectly like there was one where it was like it was all solved by footprints where because it was a perfectly snowy night and all the impressions were just right there for you to read um right but yeah but you know that was just kind of convenient but in this it's like the impressions matter but they're not the whole story so it was kind of right i don't know i kind of liked it but uh well and something
1: i wondered about that maybe you can explain to me because i remember reading that and be and being confused now my understanding of bicycles Mm -hmm. is that both of the tires are lined up together so wouldn't they be riding in the same like track on the mud wouldn't there just be the one line so how so how would there be a heavier a heavier impression made by the back one it's like if you i don't
0: know i mean i guess i imagine like the pedaling motion like if you're going through mud as opposed to like on a flat surface there's there's more pedaling you have to do it's more like a start and stop kind of that. thing. So, I could kind of see All it right. where it's like the whole bike is almost like its own step type of thing. But Okay, I could see yeah. that. I just I just thought like
1: but if like a snake was slithering in a straight line mm-hmm. and the snake just like did the equivalent of like stomping down his foot <laughs> Like, how would you be able to tell? Because it all gets covered up by his little snake belly. I don't know. It just, that confused me. But that you, you, you bring up a valid point. That's a, that's a very real possibility. At least that's what I imagine. Yeah. Or even like, and also yeah, if, no, you, that's if you
0: turn to, and to like get around certain yeah, things, fair. you'd have to, yeah. Fair. But. Huh. Anyway. Bicycling. Yeah. Well, what happens next? I really didn't, I really didn't remember that there was so much stuff with, to do with bikes in these stories. Like, a lot of bikes. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um. But anyway, Doyle's
1: editors were all up on him. He's a publicist. You got to put more bikes in these stories. Right. It's like bikes are so hot the right kids now. kids love dude. them.
0: Like, it's like if people aren't texting. The kids are stories, out there. It's not going to be relevant. <laughs> yeah. They're biking everywhere. <laughs> you got to put slang in there. You got to have man caves. I also, I feel like I, I don't know. Remember if I actually read this or if I'm just like, yeah, that seems like something he would do. I think Doyle was a sure. pretty avid bicyclist himself. So it was kind of like sounds one of, right. It sounds right. I mean, it's like it it was kind of one of those things where it was like some people it was just like a hobby, like it is now. Like people just have bikes and they go biking, and some people just didn't. It was right, yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, they're out there looking at the bike tires, and and then they find something very bad. If you want to talk, if you want to talk about that one, okay, I'll let you have that one. Sure, yeah.
1: So they find a very dead german yeah. which is arguably the worst kind of german there is <laughs> oh that reminds me um you said something earlier about how in post-World War II, uh, England was making, you know, like goofy comedies and mm-hmm. et cetera. And like, that's because in the aftermath of World War II, Britain's economy was irreversibly shattered. Oh, they yeah. They were doing government rationing there until the 80s. Mm-hmm. So yeah, people needed, people needed some help. And that reminded me, uh, I learned recently that Nazi Germany fucking loved them some movies. They made a ridiculous number of movies, and you would think, well, yeah, surely, the propaganda. Nope. They overwhelmingly made, like, romantic comedies and musicals. Because it mm-hmm. turns out that living in a fascist dictatorship is super fucking depressing.
0: Yeah, imagine. <laughs> yeah, that imagine. Is Look at your Twitter timeline right? and imagine. <laughs> like, I never yeah. thought about that as, like that they yeah like yeah we're being a fascist regime but also they had all of the they were doing relatively good financially like they would have had the money and the means to make huge budget productions yes you know and it's to like henry ford be entertained yeah, yeah. you know like hitler's was out there watching disney movies and stuff like that i don't know about disney specifically but like he was out there watching movies you know he was uh, he was
1: probably watching disney stuff yeah. <laughs> considering
0: know? where some of that disney money went i mean
1: yeah yeah yeah. Uh. Definitely where a lot of that Ford money went, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I actually worked on, a couple of years ago, I worked on a television series about people who were trying to break the land speed record, uh, which was surprisingly interesting. It was, it wasn't something I would see on TV and be like, I want to see about these fast cars, but right. I, I learned stuff and it was cool. See, now to but, me though, uh, that sounds amazing. I would absolutely watch that.
0: <laughs> that sounds cool.
1: <laughs> well, now I know stuff and now I would watch it. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. But they were talking about, uh, it was also about the history of vehicles, mm-hmm. and, uh like, Fords were uh the first ambulances, and what they did in World War One mm-hmm. was they shipped them over just, like, skeletons, and the crates that they came in could be turned into the shells for the ambulance that went on the back. It was really cool. Oh, that's but, neat. um It is. It was really <laughs> neat. But the guy, like, the Ford historian they were talking to, the interviewer said, Tell me about Henry Ford. And I knew this was going to go one of two ways, and I was just waiting to see what you were. <laughs> yeah, want. you're just in Henry there with God
0: your popcorn, said. like, ah, uh, yes, please do yep, tell us about uh, Henry Ford.
1: Bring it on. I'm just here for the comments. Uh and, mm. and the guy said, Henry Ford was charitably kind of a colossal bastard. And <laughs> this was... A documentary for the Discovery Channel. Yes. I was just like, this guy is not playing any games. He's taking yes. the gloves off, and I am so happy. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I think it was called "The History of Speed." Uh, if any, if any of our okay. listeners ever ever ended up watching it, uh, I worked on that, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um,
0: but yes, so <laughs> they find a very dead German.
1: <laughs> um,
0: yeah. I mean, and it's actually kind of sad because you he realizes upon investigation of his body that. He, you know, he, so he's got like his coat on. He's sort of half dressed. I don't even think he's like wearing shoes or he's not, not wearing socks. He obviously left in yeah. a huge hurry and it quickly yeah. becomes evident that he did not kidnap the boy. He was chasing after whoever did yep. kidnap him in an attempt to bring them back and to rescue Correct. him and was killed, uh, in the process of that. And we're not exactly sure how at first. It's kind of just like it, it, he, Holmes is kind of on the spot trying to figure out. Like give all these possible possibilities to how it could have happened, and each one is just being right. made, like no impossible. Like it's not. And at one point, it's just even like he he sort of gets frustrated and has to literally just sit down and think right there. And uh, to because he's just so like and and even and Watson kind of at one point says so just like I give up, I have no idea. It's impossible. How could this have, you know how could this have happened? And, right? Because there's no there's no murder weapon. Yeah, there's no murder weapon. There his it's just his head's bashed in. And he couldn't have fallen hard enough and hit his head because it's the ground is muddy, it's soft, it's you know grass basically. Right. And um, there's no other tracks to any other bikes or you know carriage or anything like that. It's like how what what how did this happen? Like you know. um, And they're they're trying to figure it out. And I think Holmes. And then do do you remember what? What I do remember Uh is that
1: Holmes uh has an uncharacteristic like moment of humanity mm-hmm. where he's he's torn between pressing on before the trail cools down even
0: further and making sure that this poor chump's body is like okay yeah they they come across like a um just some farmer out there cutting grass or something yeah and they're like hey can Just you Just some passerby, and they're like hey you let yeah. us traumatize you come right here. exactly <laughs> it's like hey person who has absolutely nothing to do with this come here yeah um yeah exactly yeah he sits him down,
1: he says okay you're gonna sit with this corpse right you're gonna you're gonna perform uh klingon akvo uh you're gonna keep predators away from this body <laughs> yeah. so that his spirit might find its way to stovokor <laughs> among his honored ancestors
0: yeah, yeah watson immediately um uh offers to go call for help and like have someone come you know have the police come right. get this body and was and i is like no you know you can't i need you to i need you to stick around and help me and so they they get this poor like innocent peasant guy and just tell him to yeah. go send him with a note to the headmaster the this poor headmaster, hey kid, you want to see a dead body <laughs> right like literally <laughs> just like can you just imagine you're just out there cutting your wheat or whatever, and suddenly these two guys come up to you and they're like, Hey, we have a task for I really hope they paid this guy like at least a hundred pounds. Like just, just Whoa Emotional. So in the like, morning and blood on the gore. Sunrise gonna complete. <laughs> it just, just it's just corpse. Right. Dead body. Like, hey guess that this wasn't how you were expecting your day to be going. Um but anyway, so I just felt really bad for that guy for some reason. Um, yeah, for real. He gets one sentence. They just flag down a passerby. And I want to know more about that guy. Right? It's just
1: so you're a corpse.
0: <laughs> he just, What's that like? That, that that peasant just busts into his local pub that night, like y'all. I pour out the drinks. I got some. I got a story for today. Oh, yeah. Like I oh, have had been on this for years. An yeah. experience,
1: especially considering. Especially considering the
0: fallout of what will eventually happen in this story. Oh yeah, no, that guy's famous now. He's the guy who yeah. saw the okay. body of whoever, like that whole deal. He was uh, there.
1: So they find a they find a gross, creepy inn. Mm-hmm. What happens next?
0: Yeah, so they they find they go to the inn, um, and they meet the landlord. It's, uh, I'm trying to like I'm trying so hard to like be smart here and figure out how like, Holmes knew this guy, did he know this guy was involved, or was this just, this was just the inn that was, like, left over after their, their whole thing with the map? I think it was, I think it was just,
1: yeah, what was left by process of elimination, Mm -hmm. um, and, like, maybe he wouldn't have had such a thought ordinarily, but, like, dead guy right there, by the inn, you know, maybe the inn's involved. It's, it's not an unreasonable leap.
0: Okay, alright, so what they, yeah, basically it, right here is just, like, they they follow the tracks as far as they could, and then this was, like, the closest that they got to the end of the tracks. So, yeah, so they're at this inn, and they meet the landlord, who's just this kind of, like, gruff asshole kind of person. And Holmes yeah. um is able to—he's he, trying to figure out if the bikes are here. And so he right. makes up this story about how, like—well, I mean, it's not really— but he's like, "Hey, we need a way to get to the hall really fast." And oh no, I have a sprained ankle. Like he does, but, like, he he puts on this whole show of like having a sprained ankle. Is like, please, I need something to get me to the hall fast enough. It's like, do you have any like, for example, bicycles here? And yep. <laughs> basically. And um, uh, and like obviously he's like ends up just like, hey, I'll get, I'll give you money, like I'll pay you. And he's like, oh well, okay, well if you'll pay me, then uh, immediately I'm your best friend. And uh. Right. So they got this guy... Okay,
1: but here's the here's the thing. No, wait. Yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah.
0: This guy, Ruben Haynes,
1: proprietor and bicycle peddler. <laughs> get it? Uh, get it, Nick? Do you get it? get it. Do you get it? I get it. Nick, do you... I, I get, it. You I, get it. it. I get it. Get it's it. a pun. Pedal, or play on words. Pe- yeah, all right, all right. Yes. No, he... His whole <laughs> deal is that... He says, yeah, dude, I'd rent you some bikes, but I don't have any bikes to rent. And Holmes says, I will give you one gold piece. <laughs> and he says, nah, dude, I don't have any bikes, but I will lend you these horses for free. And like, I'm not a businessman, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs>
0: it seems to me, Ruben, that your business model right. might. <laughs> have you had an accountant look at this? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, okay, sure. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, he, so the bikes aren't here anymore. Um, he, I don't know. This guy's just kind of like he obviously know he obviously knows what's going on. We this guy ends up yes. becoming um an important character later on uh uh yeah. the landlord and he because after Holmes and Watson uh like established that they're going to they he he becomes a little more helpful and he's like all right, I'll give you these horses to get to the hall. Oh, that's fine. Um and they they have some food there and after they eat they go to uh the blacksmith right nearby to like ask Mm -hmm. him some questions. Holmes is just doing like a little local investigation here and he like follows them out. The landlord follows them out of the inn and it's just kind of like, Hey, listen, what are you doing? Stop poking around. Like as soon as they get over there. And so obviously, yeah. And he's like visibly angry. And so that's, you know, obviously very suspicious. and. Yeah.
1: There's well there's some cool there's some cool stuff when they're when they're there round about the stables where the horses are, they see mm-hmm. uh cow tracks. Cow tracks,
0: but no cows. How? Panama. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, they're sitting down eating. Yeah, there's a whole there's Holmes has a revelation in between these two that I totally just forgot about. Thank you for reminding me. Um yeah, where of he's course. like, Okay, do you remember while we were out there, he's talking to Watson, he's like, Do you remember while we were out there seeing like some cow tracks and Watson's like, yeah, everywhere. They were all over the place. And Holmes is like, do you remember what they looked like? And he starts to like, and he lays out some like crumbs in a certain order. And in the, in my uh-huh. copy of the book, it's illustrated by like dots, which like, how yes, did it's, they get <laughs> it's illustrated? It's illustrated typographically. That's punctuation. It's the coolest mm-hmm. fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It was super neat. And I'm like, I, I think that in older books, they did that a lot more. Like you don't really see ever well, and in modern like, books. No, and what we think of as being like
1: emoticons, like, you know, pre emoji mm-hmm. emoticons, like just where you had your little your little uh, you know, parenthesis and colon for eyes and stuff, like those were invented in telegraph times. Those were around during this period. So yeah. this was this was this was a viable storytelling technology. And it's really cool that Arthur Conan Doyle thought to himself, you know what, I, I don't have to describe this shit. I can just do this, hyphen, hyphen, dash, dash, Right, like, period. I, I just imagine like, show... him, like,
0: yeah. Like, from a writer perspective, I just imagine, like, it makes so much sense. Because it's like, I would just be sitting there, like, How am I gonna describe how these tracks looked without going on for a paragraph? It's like being too; it would just be messy. For real, when it's like you can just draw it out, and like the reader will know what you are talking about. It's it's really not. It was was great, and it makes sense because it would have been way for like something that is being published in periodicals. I they don't really have. It was a lot more work to insert pictures in and so they just didn't right. and they had to find other ways around it and another author that I love who uh plays with this to like really an extreme is uh A.A. Milne the guy who wrote the um Winnie the Pooh stories he also plays with punctuation yep. a lot and will have like periods or ellipses like drop down the page like raindrops or something That's like so to illustrate good. certain things and like certain texts will no be idea. bigger and it's just it's so much fun to read and look at and like I, it's neat and like i kind of wish people would sort of bring that back uh just cuz it really that just that is so cool it's so specific to like the published book written medium that yeah. it's like yeah it's it's neat it's cool that's fucking but wild anyway. One, yeah. um
1: yeah dan harmon um mm-hmm. who's a creator of many good things and also Rick and Morty um, <laughs> once said I I won't say that Rick and Morty has nothing to recommend it. I will say that Rick and Morty fans are an excellent reason not to watch that show. Absolutely (laughs) fair. Absolutely fair. I personally
0: like that show like well enough, but don't really go out of my Yeah, no, the fam- yeah, the fans. Anyway, yeah, there on. are <laughs> things to like about it. Yeah, but yeah, okay. Sure. Anyway, the
1: point is he once yeah. he once said in an episode of his podcast, Harmontown, he said and he was quoting someone, but I forget whom, uh, he said it is the prerogative of the creative to use the frame as part of the painting. And that mm-hmm. always Really stuck with me. And that's exactly the kind of thing you're talking about, was using, letting, letting the punctuation and the typography be a part of the world they're describing. Yeah.
0: Uh, is just the coolest fucking thing I've ever heard. I have no idea. I'm gonna have to go read some Winnie the Pooh stories now. Right. Yeah, no, I, it's like such a weird thing that I, like recommending to people but it's like everyone kind of knows the Winnie the Pooh stories as like these as the Disney cartoons and despite right. like my 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 being very strongly anti-Disney corporation aside the I still recommend the original stories to people just because they're so much fun to read and they're illustrated beautifully yeah. and uh, all the playing with like punctuation and stuff is just amazing to they're just super enjoyable oh, cool. um but anyway so there's my random like check classic lit recommendation for this episode yeah um, i love it a. A. Cool. okay well what's the... it well what happens what happens next here in this story where a boy has been stolen so yeah he um so yeah so holmes figures out uh he he mentions that thing about the cow tracks and watson's like okay like sure that is weird i guess but um but what's that i got to do and then uh
1: Oh, by the way, this, this illustrative, this illustrative technique of like, I'm gonna use typography to illustrate this point, still didn't work. No idea what he was trying to express by it, but I'm glad he thought of
0: it. (laughs) Right. Um, but yeah, he, basically, he's like, okay, so, you see how the tracks were like this, and it's like two next to each other, and this kind of staggered, it's like, some of them look like they could have been an animal walking, but some of them are really irregular, and, uh, and then he says, you know, it's like, and Watson's like, okay, what's the point of this? And Holmes is like, only that it is a remarkable cow, which walks, canters, and gallops. And that's kind of when he has the, like, epiphany. He figures out something, and we don't know what yet, but it'll be important later. Right. And um, then they, yeah, they have the whole interaction with the innkeeper. Uh Let's see, what else? Oh, yeah, they decide they have to kind of, like, they get scared off by the landlord, or chased off, basically. And they kind of, yeah. like, hide for a bit, and they're like, alright, we gotta go back and examine again less obtrusively. And they kind of watch the yeah. inn for a while, like it gets dark and they kind of just st- sit there like watching the comings and goings of the inn and yeah. A bunch of stuff happens. Uh people show up, people leave. The duke's secretary appears at one point and uh they're kind of watching him from a distance. He stays in there for a long time and then leaves very very quickly again. Um but oh no, he doesn't leave. He Someone else leaves from in a dog cart and we don't know who he is, but it's not the secretary because he is seen like just outside the front door at the same time. So they're like, all right, what's going on? And, um, Holmes basically at this point, I think has figured it out for the most part. Yeah. and they so what just just are... just to
1: lay out the sequence of events they are they are lying in wait they're observing the inn someone we don't know who an unknown party leaves in a dog cart uh wayun mm-hmm. comes out he lights a red light and then a second yeah. mystery figure arrives and they go in
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah exactly yeah, a there different mystery figure arrives yes right. Thank Holmes you. actually yeah. stands on watson's shoulder <laughs> yeah yeah and, and do... peers and peers yeah.
0: through the window Yeah, there's a very, like, classic, like, I don't know, like, that just seems like a thing that, like, someone trying to be a detective does, but it actually happens in this case, where, like, Holmes has to stand on Watson's shoulder to see in through the window and find out if something is there, and he looks, he's like, okay, like, for, like, two seconds, he just needs to see something real quick, he sees it, he's like, alright, I've got what I needed, let's go talk to the Duke, and so they go up to the Duke's, they go up to the hall, Where the Duke lives and just kind of. Something important happens first. They,
1: Holmes peers through the window and then they head silently back to the school. Holmes is not discussing this with Watson. He's percolating in his, in, Mm. up in his thinking piece. Oh yeah. And he goes, he goes to, uh, Macklemore station to send some telegrams. And then when he comes back, Watson hears him uh, consoling Mr. Holodeck uh, about <laughs> Heidegger's death. Right. And that was another really nice moment, because even Holmes is like, this guy really cared about his teachers. Like, he cared about this school, and he cared about these people, and... It just really sucks that he's having to deal with this whole situation, mm-hmm. and then Holmes promises that tomorrow we'll see the solution of this mystery, yeah, and then the next day, yes, they decide to go uh talk to the Duke and Yun. and what happens there besides there's a really fun exchange here, Nicholas, and oh, I want to yeah. hear your thoughts about it, oh, go yeah. Ahead.
0: but yeah, that's right that all of that happens, and I, yeah, I think it's nice that they didn't really have to he didn't really have to include the bit about Holmes like consoling the teacher about the it's not really particularly relevant to. The story, the telegram, sending the telegrams was, and all that other stuff, but um, it was just, right. I don't know, it was a kind of nice little thing to include, and yeah. So after that, um, let me see if I can find, because I know, I know what you're talking about. Um, a yah. Okay, so then after, yeah, the next day they're going to go to the Duke's house, and yeah, so at eleven o'clock in the morning, they go back, they go to Holderness Hall to see the Duke. They're ushered in by the secretary who they saw last night and is clearly pretending that everything's cool and fine. And, um, they are not realize he has been made, but he very much has. And he's also very hesitant to let them see the Duke at all. And Holmes has to almost like, that's not suspicious. (laughs) Not at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's like, well, you know, I Holmes comes in. He's like, I must see the Duke. And, The secretary's like, oh, well, but he's in his room. And Holmes says, then I must go to his room. And the secretary says, well, I believe he's in bed. I will see him there. (laughs) Holmes is like, I'm going to see him. (laughs) Like, I don't know what you're doing. And it's really good. Uh, But yeah, anyway, so he kind of just... And then the secretary is very just kind of... He kind of gives up. He's like, all right, very good, Mr. Holmes. I'll tell him that you're here. And they they go in and see the Duke. And he's just, you know, he's very just stressed and obviously and then it kind of this this whole scene where they're at the dukes uh in the duke's room basically is where it all comes out you figure out everything that the duke just kind of just tells you everything that's been going on and suddenly everything in the whole story makes it's it's the the huge is the whole reveal and um if you uh yeah if you do you want to do the sum up or shall shall i Oh, sure, it's yeah, really all, good. All, all but I,
1: yeah. uh, the Duke emerges. He is upset by German murder. Holmes asks him to excuse Yun from these proceedings. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, you want to tell your tell your secretary to go take five here? And then he very thoroughly confirms the terms of the payment that is on offer. He says, you're going to give this much money the person who finds your kid, right? And you're going to give this much money when we identify who does this right mm-hmm. these are the terms you've set up okay yes cool and the duke is getting real huffy with him says yeah i wish you would put this much energy and thoroughness into finding my son and they said oh okay well how about you just cut me a check because i accuse you your race <laughs> yeah and there's no there isn't even like a token denial the duke is just like no yeah it's fair fair enough the duke uh he instantly collapses into despair and tries to buy holmes's silence Mm -hmm. like just
0: from beginning to end it's all about just throwing money at the problem and hoping it'll go away and it's like dude exactly you're got like just give up
1: (laughs) for real and like holmes has been known to turn a blind eye to a crime here and there uh he's not you know he's he's more Batman than Lawman, as has been discussed. But right. like, there's a dead man
0: to deal with. Right. Like, this it's, is any sympathy for the Duke that might have been there from Holmes is just gone at the fact. Like, he he says at some point that like, you know, um, the any if wait what what's the quote where it's like if. Uh, if a per- if a person commits a crime, he's morally guilty of any other. Oh, here it is. Um, I must take the view that when a man embarks upon a crime, he is morally guilty of any other crime which may spring from it, which includes the death yeah. of the you know the German. If it exactly, just- I you feel know, like if like, this just like just children been- dying in concentration camps after their parents
1: are illegally detained after applying for asylum. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 Like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like that. like that. Our president is guilty of murder. This yeah. is what we're saying.
0: Yes. Outright. Yeah. Just. Yeah, hundred percent, no doubt. But yeah, so it's kind of like I feel like there could have been um some. I I, I feel like Holmes could have had a bit of sympathy for the Duke in this case, if not for the murder, if if not for, it was yeah, like kind of that like, was yeah that was kind of it. Really,
1: the deciding factor, and like as amazing as it is, it gets worse mm-hmm. because the Duke says, "Morally, Mister Holmes, you are no doubt right, but surely not in the eyes of the law." Which, one, yeah, that's not true. Yeah. That's not how that works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Still murder. Still Still murder. murder.
1: Yup. And two, fuck you. Yeah. Like, what are you- Right. That's literally, that's like, that's trope tagging, screw the rules, I have money. That's- Mm Yeah. That's- his whole attitude towards everything. And then his defense is that, oh no, Wei is sad, so mm-hmm. he's not guilty of murder. Uh, that other guy, Reuben Haynes, super is though. Right, like, it's like, it's like, well
0: yeah, okay, sure, someone died, but have you considered that I'm very wealthy and don't care? Exactly. <laughs> yes. So,
1: and Holmes, uh, so the, the Duke admits that the the innkeeper of the fighting cock, which is what the, what the, yep. Another great uh, name. The other inn was called. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Why haven't we seen an energy drink, energy drink uh, named after that? It I would sell no very idea. well among certain demographics. <laughs> yeah. Um, says that that guy is super extra, the murderer, and Holmes has sent telegrams to the appropriate authorities. That's what he was doing earlier. And mm-hmm. that man is already very much in the clutches of the police and is going to stay there forever. So here's where shit gets weird. Yeah. Weyoun is apparently the Duke's
0: also son. Yeah. Because, sure, yeah, why not? Duke just kind of drops that on him real quick, and just, like, yeah. fun little plot twist there. He's like, oh, your secretary... You mean my son, kind of. And Holmes is like, excuse me? (laughs) The Duke
1: sent Saltines uh, to school to keep him safe from Weyun, who was jilted out of his rightful social standing and inheritance by dint of his bastardry. Apparently, uh, the Duke had had a a dalliance in his youth, and Weyun is the sociopathic fruit of that (laughs) coupling. Yeah. Um, He was friends with this cat called Haynes and together they put a note in the letter that the duke sent to Saltines uh, under his mother's name, saying, Hello, it's me, your mother. Why don't you come to the creepy woods and we'll have a picnic? And mm. and then Haynes kidnapped him with a pony and murdered the German. Yeah. And that's just how that day went for everybody.
0: And it's just like, I... Uh, what you, you can only imagine that the whole point of this incredibly like je- jealousy-fueled mess, was that he was eventually going to kill the Duke's son, somehow. Right. We don't know when. He would become the
1: rightful inheritor, even though that's absolutely not how that worked.
0: Right, yeah, like, not at all. Like, there's no way he could have just convinced... And he even, uh, the Duke says at one point that he thinks that, uh, or, that, uh, his illegitimate son was going to try to convince him, or he was, he has been trying to convince him to change the rules of how it works, how, like, that he would become the heir instead. And it's just like, the Duke was even like, like, dude, I, there's nothing like, even though you remind me of my, you know, my poor dead, you know, your mother, it's, there's nothing I can do about it. Like the rules are the rules. Like the, my youngest son is getting my inheritance. And this is, this was that guy's way of throwing a fit about it and being like, well, but I don't like that. So I'm going to just kidnap, obviously. Kill my brother about it. Yeah.
1: This is the world we live in. Yeah. So, (laughs) Uh, Wayoon, to his credit, is allegedly horrified over the German murder once his, uh, <laughs> roughneck friend tells him about it. He confesses to his beloved papa, um, he went to warn the murder men that the jib was, that the jig was up, mm-hmm. and the, my notes here say that the duck was the mystery visitor to the inn, that he was there to see Saltines. Pretty sure that was supposed
0: to be Duke, but I didn't correct that intentionally, because, <laughs> uh... It made me happy. <laughs> Prime so, Mr. Polkadot's uh secretary, Mr. Uh, <laughs> Quacksford. <laughs> Quacksford the duck. Trusted companion. <laughs>
1: secretary Quacksford, everybody. Yep, get on it. Yep. Fan artists, give us this fancy fancy duck. <laughs> so then uh yeah, he was there to see Saltines, who had been hanging out and like there's an exchange that is so scathing mm-hmm. uh that I got a little sugar shake mm-hmm. while I was sitting there reading it. Uh Holmes is just dressing this cat down. Mm-hmm. Uh the uh the trope term is it he's he's giving him a reasons you suck speech. Yep. And he says even more culpable, in my opinion, your grace, is your attitude towards your younger son. You leave him in this den for three days well, under solemn promises. What are promises to people such as these? Mm-hmm. And it's it's the bullet piercing yep. the, the 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 armor the armor piercing question that just shuts him down. Because like, there's rich people shit, and there's rich people shit, and there's 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 laws you can buy your way out of and laws you can't, but there's, okay, there's, there are in, in law, in the study of law, there are two kinds of crime, and I'm not, I'm not a lawsman, so I can't Mm -hmm. speak 100% to the accuracy of this, but my understanding is that there are two classifications of of, of crime, philosophically speaking. Mm -hmm. There's uh, prohibido in malum, which is... Things that we have agreed as a society are things we're not going to allow. Mm. Like... Uh, stealing and, uh, and defrauding things and, uh, using a presidential campaign specifically to, uh, further your own business dealings because you're actually a terrible businessman and desperately need the money, otherwise you're gonna go to jail forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things that we have agreed are yeah. not acceptable in our society. Right. And then there's pro, and then there's mala in sum, which are things that are inherently like, the the closest thing you can come to natural crimes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, things that are... Like, if you if you want to think about it in terms of sin, like, these are sins against the natural order of society. Things like murder, mm-hmm. things like rape, things that you don't need to... You shouldn't have to be told this isn't okay, right. right? Yeah. And right up at the top of that list, big five, child theft. Yeah. Yeah. This is some like primordial shit mm-hmm. it's like basic animal just stuff inexcusable There's, there's it's inexcusable right. there's no like there's a reason as i get older like stuff like man on fire which is a really good movie just gets harder and harder to watch because mm-hmm. like the sheer spiritual violence behind the act of child theft yeah is is almost inexpressible and like i'm not a father I'm never gonna be. I don't want children. That's not, that's not something that's built into me. Right, But like, uh, I I don't know. Just, uh, just the idea that like, oh yeah, you can just kidnap this fucking child. He doesn't know you. Yeah. You, you know, I doubt I, I doubt that Haynes had this, like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm friends with your secret brother who's doing this, and your dad says it's all okay. Like, no, he just stole that kid. Right. And this kid has been living in this, this inn, this den of iniquity, for three days. And his dad has come to him and said, oh, no, trust me, everything's fine. But I need you to stay here with the men who stole you from your bed. Right, yeah. And...
0: It's, it's just, it's ridiculous. just like, ridiculous. It's incredibly unsafe in my, Like, you, the Duke, who is the father of this child... Like, I can't even imagine. Like, again, I don't have yeah. kids either, but just the idea of, like, it, ha- this innocent kid who's, like, maybe, like, six or seven years old. Like, tiny kid. Yeah. Is... I just went, first of all, just saw his German teacher get murdered right in front of his eyes. Uh-huh. And then got... Because that was a thing that happened, um, and then he gets taken away to this inn where he doesn't know anyone and is being held there. And then you show up, you his dad, show up, see him, and then leave him there. It's just, it, yeah, it it's like what, like abominable. it's unthinkable. Like the fact that he could do that is just the coldest, the coldest shit ever. And I'm just like, all right, any sim, any smidge of sympathy that I may have had for you, which was already at zero, is now in the negatives. Yeah.
1: No, it's, it's a yeah. sacrifice of personhood is what it mm. is. Like he's, he's not a, uh not a member of, of the human spiritual yeah. world after right. that. It's. Whatever. Okay, so I did. I really didn't anticipate us getting that angry about that. I think really struck a chord. Right like, <laughs> because of thing. events that are happening in this country that we are
0: powerless to personally <laughs> impact. <laughs> this this story. Anyway. I, this story really just opened up like, oh, lol, funny teacher guy, and now we're just like, eat the rich. Anyway, in conclusion, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: just saying. Okay, so Holmes agrees to
0: help for some reason mm-hmm. i don't really i honestly, understand why I, I, I honestly thought that was kind of out of character like i know doyle's writing this himself but still like for holmes like kind of out of character like usually in general he's kind of just meh about rich people but in this instance yeah. you would think he would just kind of be like and i mean he sort of is just like all right you know screw you give me my money kind of thing and maybe it kind of and ed- maybe it's a thing go ahead oh i was just gonna say it kind of ends on like almost like less serious note than i feel like it should have <laughs> maybe well here's wh- one of the things
1: i really love about our discussions is that i often realize things as we're having them mm-hmm. um and and i'll get i'll get to that in a second it's the it's the very end of the book and i think i have a different understanding of it now but yeah. so uh, a carriage is a carriage is summoned and it's sent to fetch saltines from the uh, den of murderers and thieves where he is now alone because the, the guy who owned mm-hmm. it has been arrested. Mm-hmm. So, real bad. Um, Haynes, the guy who did the murder, he's screwed and there's nothing for it because he fucking murdered a guy. Yep. Um, Gallows. and the Duke agrees, yeah, <laughs> for real. Uh, the Duke agrees that Weyun is not an acceptable presence in anyone's life and sends him to Australia. And see, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, when Australia was a British penal colony, that was a real bad thing. Sweeney Todd got sent to Australia and he came back murder crazy. Mm-hmm. But like, He's going to get sent there a rich dude. Like, he's going to be fine.
0: Yeah. It's he's not really right. much of a punishment yeah. if you think about it. It's
1: not. It's just he's kind of
0: more a of like, a, okay, you need to go away from me now. You're not my, you, I don't want you to be my problem anymore. It's just exactly. like, just remove it's just him. One
1: more thing to throw money at. It's for whatever. Yeah.
0: And, and Holmes <laughs> says,
1: well, what about the cow tracks? What was that about? And apparently it was some device from hundreds of years before that you would put on horse hooves to make them look like cow hooves which yeah sure
0: yeah sure yeah that was a absolutely thing. yeah it, yeah it's kind of just thing. like it was kind of just like almost a ps at the end there where it was like okay but like i don't know it's like yeah it was relevant but also just it was kind of a weird like oh also at the it end was like, but but what about like, the... it,
1: like it was just a it was just a thing that doyle learned about that day and right. he was like i'm gonna put it in here like he <laughs> it was like just oh this would one go little... great
0: in one of my stories where am i gonna put it i'll just shove it in my here, readers right? will love this yeah. <laughs> yes
1: but so Holmes remarks that these these cow hoof things are the second most interesting object that I have seen here in the north. And the first. And it just says, Holmes folded up his check and placed it carefully in his notebook. And then turns to the duke and says, I am a poor man, said he. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's just the end. And, like, I didn't get it at first, but in this context, I think he's, like like rich like wealth shaming the duke i
0: think so too i think he's yeah it kind of almost just seems like a way where it's like i it's kind of like in my opinion it's almost like his way of saying like i am literally not rich enough to comprehend your problems like yeah this you're so we're so like on different levels here of like just i don't know yeah it, it is sort of like rich shaming him really which is It is, it's kind of like, I don't have (laughs) endless money to just throw at my problems. I have to actually earn a
1: living. I can't just make one of my sons disappear when he becomes inconvenient. I don't know. And I think, I think the, the, it's not necessarily the implication, but it's just what I'm taking away from it Mm -hmm. is that like, He could turn the Duke in, because this is certainly legally actionable, whether or not anything would come of it because of aristocracy and law. Like, I I don't know if he'd ever actually go to jail or anything, be stripped Mm. of his lands and title, like the sons of the House of Moog. But, like, (laughs) even if he tried to do that, probably nothing would happen. So this is probably just Holmes saying, no, you got away with it, and now
0: you get to live with it. Right, Forever. it's like, I I hope you feel horrible, because that's all I can really, like, it's like, yeah, yeah, you might have technically gotten away with all this, you're not gonna get arrested, you're probably not really gonna get, like, financially or physically punished for this at all, like the, like, right. everyone else involved, but you still have to sit with this, you know, yeah. and now you have, you, you ha- went from you having, man's- right, it's like you went from having two sons to, like, none, basically
1: to Nunson, son yeah you have one dead man who did not who was trying to save your son mm-hmm. and and your son's shattered innocence he's never gonna trust you again mm-hmm. well and see that's the thing he said that he was gonna reconcile with the duchess and like i don't know to what end like good luck with that right i'm
0: like okay sure i guess like <laughs> good luck right. yeah
1: yeah, it was just it was a real crapper of an ending but in a real satisfactory way, not like you know, it not like I'm not complaining about the ending. It was it was a solid one. I get it. I get why it had to be the way it oh, was. Yeah. It just Yeah. I don't know. So, who was your uh who who wins your Huxtable award for this episode?
0: Uh <laughs> huxable himself like the doctor the himself. Character. okay he's <laughs> for, for both of us yeah
1: he's 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 our favorite character this episode he he was just such a good sweet boy uh he cared about everyone mm-hmm. and was so was so eager to help that he found a hat that some some <laughs> ethnic offensive ethnic parodies had and he's like uh, please please yeah, i just uh, want to
0: see my student safe like i just exactly. returned yeah
1: yeah. What a good boy that Penny Whistle Thistleburden was. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Nicholas, let's see here. Let me open up the canon. And, mm-hmm. uh, why don't you choose a number for me between 1 and 49?
0: Between 1 and 49. Um, let's do 22. 22 it is. 22 brings us to
1: 1903's The Dancing Men.
0: Ooh, good one. Yeah. Yeah? Cool. Codes. Okay. Secret codes, fun stuff. Ooh. Yes? Yes, please. Yes, please. Casey likes codes. Casey likes codes a lot. (laughs) Casey's very excited about codes. You visibly brightened (laughs) up. That was, like, like, I'm squinting from the screen now. Like, oh, Casey likes codes (laughs) a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh man. You're going to love this one. then in that codes case,
1: <laughs> good. All right. Uh, so listeners, for next time, you can read uh 1903's *The Dancing Men*. Also, if you also like codes, you can go to omniglot.com where uh you can find. Like listings of uh famous fictional, well, I, all existing writing systems, and also like fictional ones, like the ones Tolkien made up, things people have made for books. They're, people just make their own and submit them there. I've been going there and pouring it on my brain like crack sugar, like skooma <laughs> for 20 years. Uh yeah. It's real good, so if you're a fan of writing systems and codes like myself, check that shit out. Omniglot, not our sponsor. I don't even want them to be. I just wanted to keep doing what they're doing. Yep. Oh, I'm <laughs> so excited. Okay. Sorry, Nicholas. I didn't mean to no, get You're derailed. good. You're good. It. That was great. Codes. <laughs> Keep yes, all that, please. For sure. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, cats and kittens, and uh, mats and mittens. Uh, tell us who won the Huxtable Award this episode. It's probably Huxtable himself because we just invented the Huxtable Award. But uh, <laughs> if you had a different favorite character or a different, you know, favorite anything that happened, please do let us know. You can tweet at us uh, at the final podblum. You you can probably still find us on Facebook. I'm trying to. I'm trying to move our shows away from Facebook because they were instrumental in getting a puppet, uh, you know, dictator figurehead elected in our mm. country a couple of years ago. Mm. It's, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm kind of trying to give them less business if I can help it, but you can definitely find us there. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Hotel Theotokos. You can find our good boy Nicholas at Wayfarers underscore all. Uh, tweet at us. Tweet us your fan art of Mr. Feathersby.
0: It was Mr. Feathersby. Was that it? It was, oh shoot, it was like, Quaxed the Duck Craxby? or something. I think it was Doc? Quax Quaxford. Mr. Quaxford Quaxworth, maybe? Yeah. yeah something like that. Yeah.
1: Uh, tweet us your fan art. Tweet us your your good goofs. Um we love hearing from you so much, honestly, we do. Um if you feel like it, you can find our Patreon at semi auto magic, that's our parent network. If you're a Patreon subscriber uh, of any um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I ran out of words. I heard the breaks uh, If you're a Patreon, <laughs> yeah, if you're a Patreon subscriber uh, at any tier, uh, we go. certainly appreciate you. And if you're a subscriber at the $5 a month or, or above tiers, you get next week's episodes a week early. And you also get the exclusive recordings of us goofing around in the pre-show before we start rec- recording. It's <laughs> usually a good time. Today's was actually especially good. We talked it, about some cool shit. Yeah. So, um... And again, as always, I just want to say, uh, we appreciate you listening and telling a friend or leaving us a great review on the iTunes store, which is actually very helpful. Do not ever feel pressured to give us money if, like... <laughs> Because I have several shows I support. I support uh, Critical Hit and Adventure.exe. Um, I support some artist friends of ours, like the incredible Shannon Sketches, who did the amazing cover art for our program, um, which honestly is the only reason it, that Prime Minister Polka Dots isn't the cover art right now. But, <laughs> like, uh if you feel like it, we would very much support that. Do not ever feel pressured. But if the way you express your affection is with dollars that is a that is a I mean I'm a poor I'm man to speak I'll, I'll, <laughs> yes we're it. poor men <laughs> we're two poor men uh until then read the dancing men for next time and uh take care of yourselves and each other yes goodbye good night mr so and mrs all our buddies. and all the ships at sea good night everybody goodbye <laughs> welcome no no that's not it <laughs> No welcome. Stay away. No welcome. (laughs) The game is a foot (laughs) on... God damn it. You got this, man.
0: Okay.